If you've been joining the Fredericksburg Regional Chamber of Commerce podcast for the month of May, you know they've been recognizing Mental Health Awareness Month and having different experts share on how to get your spark back and your emotional wellness back too. I'm Barbara Gustafson. I'm the owner of a small women-owned local business called Discover Next Step. And one of the things I love to do is collaborate with visionaries who are making a significant impact and doing good in the world. And today's guest is Dr. Daniel Amen. He's going to be sharing a unique topic about overcoming your ants. It's one of his many great topics. And my hope is that you walk away with a new and more hopeful understanding of yourself and tools you can easily use to help your emotional wellness. Now, Dr. Amen is a child and adult psychiatrist, 12-time New York Times bestselling author, and founder of Amen Clinics, with, I believe, eight clinics across the United States. And Amen Clinics has the world's largest database of brain scans related to behavior, totaling more than 160,000 scans on patients from 121 countries. That's pretty mind-blowing. Now, Dr. Amen's research team has published more than 80 scientific articles and Discover Magazine named his research as one of the top stories in science. Dr. Amen has also hosted at least 14 popular public television shows about the brain, and it's regarded as a gifted teacher. Now, his book, and I love the title, is Your Brain is Always Listening. And I've personally have benefited from Dr. Amen's work, and I was so excited. He accepted our invitation to speak to our community. Dr. Amen, welcome. It's wonderful to have you. Hi, Barbara. Such a joy to see you. Yes. So first, if you can tell us what life has been like for you during the pandemic, because I've watched you from afar educate, and you've helped a lot of people during the crisis, and it seems like you haven't skipped a beat. And sometimes when we see an expert in their field constantly helping and giving, we might forget that they're affected too. And I know you've shared with people you've had some challenges and loss too. So if you can give us a little peek in your world, especially for those who are hearing you for the first time. Um, well, it's certainly been an interesting time for all of us. I remember when it started... Um, I wrote down this phrase, pandemic squared, because I had a sense COVID-19 would actually trigger a mental health pandemic, which indeed um, it did that with the isolation, loneliness, uh, and chronic fear and stress. Um, I think for me personally, we had to close our Manhattan clinic for a couple of weeks, one of my young employees ended up on a ventilator for 10 weeks. So for all of those who think the pandemic is nonsense or it's just affecting unhealthy people, it's just not true. This is serious. Um, I lost my dad to COVID-19. That was hard. And I actually went live, I think for about 70 days, uh, to just sort of help people through this very difficult time and walk them through my own grief. It's what I have um, liked to do, maybe it's not the, the wrong word, but I, 
find it meaningful um, when I suffer to help people go, well, how would the teacher deal with that mm. issue? And, and it helped me because what, you know, we often say is pain shared is pain divided. And uh, our clinics have seen historic growth during this time. Um, suicide and suicidal behaviors just skyrocketed. Um, anxiety and depression, depression tripled just from March to August of last year. Um, the big winner in the pandemic is the pharmaceutical companies because people are taking sleep medication, anti-anxiety medication, antidepressants, and there's a better way than just reaching for this or that short-term fix. Um, and so, so I have felt purposeful during this time. And I also recognize there are historic opportunities. You know, if you look at the Chinese symbol for danger um, or for crisis, it's a combination of two symbols, danger and opportunity. And the opportunity for parents is they've never had this level of actual time with their children. So if they do the right things, I've seen bonding go way up uh, between parents and children. I was just reading a statistic today, 60% of people have either got new hobbies or made their hobbies where they actually have better skill at them. And where you bring your attention determines how you feel. If you focus on the opportunities, you feel hopeful. If you focus on the worries, you feel anxious. Um, disciplining your mind is so important during these uh, stressful times. Mm, and that phrase where you bring attention, you know, is how you feel. And I know you're going to share some really important um, things about overcoming your ants, which I can't wait to get into. It's one of my favorite. If you can share with us some of your background and how you started helping people with brain health, because I know you've been doing this quite some time and you have a different approach to it, um, but just give us a little background on why you're so passionate about it. So my short story is I'm one of seven children Growing up, my dad called me a maverick, and to him, that was not a good thing. Uh, 1972, the government had a draft. I turned 18 and ended up as an infantry medic where my love of medicine was born. Uh, but about a year into it, I realized I didn't really like being shot at. It wasn't my thing. Some people like it. I don't. And I got myself retrained as an x-ray technician and developed a passion for medical imaging, as our professors used to say, how do you know unless you look? And after three years, I got out, went got out of the army, went to medical school. And when I was a second year medical student, someone I love tried to kill herself. It's the first time I was actually really confronted with a mental health issue. And I took her to see a wonderful psychiatrist. I came to realize if he helped her, it wouldn't just help her that ultimately it would help her children and even her grandchildren as they would be shaped 
by someone who is happier and more stable. So I fell in love with psychiatry, um, but I fell in love with the only medical specialty that never looks at the organ it treats. And given my x-ray background, I knew that was wrong. I knew it would change. I just had no idea I'd be part of the change. And about 30 years ago, we started looking at the brain with a study called SPECT, S-P-E-C-T, that looks at blood flow and activity and just changed everything. I always hated the term mental illness. It shames people. It's stigmatizing. And it's wrong. They're brain health issues that steal your mind. And when I started looking at the brain, I'm like, well, of course, get your brain right and your mind will follow. People don't think about that. Your brain, the physical functioning of your brain, how it's connected, how it works, um, creates your mind. And if you don't believe that, just think of people with Alzheimer's disease, obviously they lose their mind. And if you saw their brain, you'd see actually pretty big damage to it. Damage the brain, damage the mind. And so I'm like, psychiatry's in the dark ages, making diagnoses based on symptom clusters with no biological data. I'm like, we can do better. And uh, turning mental health into brain health just changes everything. Decreases stigma, increases compliance because who doesn't want a better brain? Um, and you realize you have to get better physically in order to be better mentally. And I publish three papers that show as your weight goes up, the size and function of your brain goes down. Oh no, wow. <laughs> that should scare the fat off anyone. And, um, and it's been fun. And ultimately it comes down to this one simple question. Is this good for my brain or bad for it? And if you can answer that question with information and love, love of yourself, love of your spouse, love of your children, love of your mission, you just start making better decisions for the health of your brain. Yeah. And in looking at material, you take a, a complete holistic approach to brain health. And I love how you have this four circle approach. Can you just briefly go through on what those four circles are? So when I was in medical school, actually the first week, the dean of our school, Sid Garrett, went to the board and he said, never think of your patients as their diagnosis. Always think about them in four big circles. And he drew them. And the first one was biology. You need to learn about pathophysiology and you know, how things physically go wrong with your patients. Um, and so put the brain and brain health in that circle. And then you need to know about psychology, which is their mind or how they think. That's where the ants, the automatic negative thoughts come in. And there's a social circle or how we are connected to others and a spiritual circle, which is why the heck do you care? What is your deepest sense? of meaning and purpose. And illness can start in any or all of the circles and health starts with any or all 
of the circles. And so that's my problem with, oh, I'm anxious during the pandemic, so I'm going to take Xanax. Um, it's like, well, it's addictive. It'll ruin your memory. It's not a good only strategy. If I use something biologically, I probably use magnesium or GABA or theanine, natural supplements that have science variety, but I'll also teach you how to breathe in a different way, how to kill the ants, the automatic negative thoughts, how to be more connected and live in a purposeful way that is meaningful to you. Yes. And what I appreciate about what you share is there are so many options we aren't aware of that we can, you know, utilize. We don't just have to go to a medication, but there are simple things that we can do. And I, I thought this would be a good place for you to go through and explain what are ants. And I know in your book, if you can, you also talk about dragons and how we can tame them. Explain what the ants and the dragons are. And um, when we're thinking in terms of not just our personal lives, but also our business and other areas, including ability to lead, you know, how do these ants and dragons affect them? So ants, as I said, automatic negative thoughts, the thoughts that just come into your mind automatically and ruin your day. You don't have to believe every stupid thing you think. That learning to manage your mind is critical. We'll talk about that. The dragons are the big psychological issues that we all have that breathe fire on our emotional brain. In my new book, Your Brain is Always Listening, I talk about 13 dragons from the past, like the abandoned, invisible, or insignificant dragons, my primary dragon, being one of seven, being a middle child, often felt unseen. Um, the inferior flawed dragon, where you're comparing yourself to others in a negative way, or the anxious dragon, or the death dragon, or my favorite dragon of all of them, the ancestral dragon, where the issues you have, they're not yours. They belong to your parents or your grandparents. Uh, they belong to another generation. This pandemic is going to create ancestral dragons for future generations. But, you know, I know we don't have much time. So if we want to talk about the ants, I remember the day I coined the term, um, it was a hard day for me. And it was about 30 years ago. And that day I saw four suicidal patients, which for psychiatrists is a lot and is stressful. Um, two teenagers who had run away from home and two couples who hated each other. And I remember going home, it was dark when I got home and I turned on um, the light in the kitchen and there were ants everywhere. And I'm like, oh, and as I was cleaning them up, when you go to medical school, the first year in medical school, you learn 50,000 new words. And we're always using memory tricks like acronyms and mnemonics to just remember all of that monster level of data. And as I was cleaning up the ants, I'm thinking to myself, automatic negative thoughts. These are the thoughts. My patients are infested. 
And so I brought a can of ant spray, Raid, to my office the next day. And I just put it in the center of my coffee table. And I said, I'm going to teach you how to kill the ants. And basically, it's whenever you feel sad or mad or nervous or out of control, write down what you're thinking and just ask yourself, is it true? Can I absolutely know if it's true? And there's a whole chapter in the book where I basically say, give me a hundred of your worst thoughts. So it's one of the big exercises I give my patients. Write down a hundred of your worst thoughts. It'll change your life when you realize almost all of them are not true. Um, and I have a process I take people through. It's really powerful. Um, and there are different kinds of ants. There's um, fortune-telling ants where you're predicting the worst. There's mind-reading ants thinking you know what someone else is thinking even though they haven't told you. And I have 25 years of education. I can't tell what anybody's thinking. A negative look from someone else may mean nothing more than they're constipated. You don't know. Um, there's guilt beating ants, uh, blame ants. Those are the worst labeling ants where you lay. And we did that. We're still doing that in our society now. Oh, you're a Republican. Well, automatically it means you don't care about anybody just about you and money or you're a Democrat. It's like, okay, you're a socialist. Um, and these labels hurt us because they don't allow us to have a conversation with each other. And, uh, you know, the pandemic certainly elevated it. The death of George Floyd made everything worse. The political divide made it worse still. And you just have a whole society of anxious, angry, ant-filled people. Yes. And I find this fascinating because it's when we're able to you know, anchor to an image. Uh, for me, it's powerful. I'm able to really grasp. Can you tell us what's happening on our brain level? Well, 50% of the brain is visual. It's dedicated to vision. And so if you can anchor it with something visual, like an anteater, <laughs> actually give these to my patients. Got to get rid of the ant. Cool. <laughs> uh, that it just helps you remember it when you need it, but it's a practice too often, you know, people might go see a therapist and they go, you know, I went a couple of times and it didn't work. And that's sort of like you need to lose 50 pounds and you have a salad on Monday and expect to be trim on Friday. It's sort of ridiculous, right? I mean, if you're going to get physically healthy, you need to develop habits over time. Um, and that's how you transform your body. If you want to transform your mind, you need those same sorts of habits uh, over time where it becomes really a daily practice. Yes. And I know in your book, you really do a a fantastic job and breaking down the steps. So it's, it's okay, we can go to step one. And the importance of writing it down, it's for me, it's almost like calling the elephant out. It's like, okay, now I can see what I'm thinking, 
now I can decide what I want to replace it with. And knowing that repetition is really key to making it easier. Yeah, when you write it down, you get it out of your head. And then it doesn't circle too often because people don't know how to manage their minds. They end up drinking too much or eating the wrong food or um, smoking pot as a way to just settle their mind down. And it's so much better for you to learn to discipline your mind. That doesn't mean beat your mind up. It means to just guide it, to teach it. Uh, because as we said earlier, where you bring your attention always determines how you feel. And I'm actually not a fan of positive thinking. I'm a fan of accurate thinking. I love the verse in the New Testament, John 8.32, know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if I think to myself, my wife never listens to me, I've had that thought once or twice, um, and I'm like, well, is that true? And it's absolutely not true. It's just a thought that showed up. And I tell my patients all the time, you don't have to believe everything you think, and please don't say everything you think. That's right. We should all filter our thoughts through, is this helpful? Will it get me what I want in my relationships? Uh, we, we, we need to activate our frontal lobes, that most human, thoughtful part of us. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, you and I have partnered to bring some of your tools and content into the corporate and business environment, which I'm super excited about. So what if we're leading a team who's struggling from the effects of the pandemic and it's affecting their job performance? What can we do to help them? Well, the most important thing you can do is model it. Um, one of our core values is we're authentic, is we live the message as an executive team. Um, so modeling it and then sharing resources uh, is, I think, really important. Um, it's also important uh, when I say we model it is we don't work people 18 hours a day that sleep is essential and uh, being flexible is also really important during a pandemic you know could you know most people thought oh no I could never have my team work at home and now everybody's like I really like working at home I'm hoping I don't have to go back too soon yeah and um, you talk about brain reserve, which I tied to inner resilience. Can you share what that is for our audience? Well, brain reserve is the extra brain tissue you have to deal with whatever stress comes your way. And when we're born, we all have a lot of reserve, but life sort of steals it from us, either through being raised in a stressful home or having a concussion or... Um, being exposed to things like mold or infections. And over time, it steals our reserve unless we're really focused on brain health. And our big goal, 
corporately is to change mental health to brain health. Because when you really work on brain health, you have more resilience so that you can manage more easily the stress that comes our way. It always comes our way, whether you're in a pandemic or not. Yes. And, and you referred earlier to changing the conversation around mental illness, around mental health. If you can share, perhaps, what are some of the misconceptions people might still have around mental health? And what are ways that we can start changing that conversation that's more empowering? Well, people think of, oh, I'm depressed or I'm bipolar because my mom was depressed or my mom was bipolar or I'm an addict because my dad was an addict. Genes load the gun. They do increase your vulnerability. It's what happens to us in our behavior that pulls the trigger. So genes are not a death sentence. What they should be is a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. um, I think 30% of the mental illness in our country is caused by the bad food that we 72% of us are overweight, 42% of us are obese. I talked earlier about my studies as your weight goes up, the size and function of your brain goes down. We need to really focus more on colorful fruits and vegetables, high quality protein, healthy fats, and get rid of sugar and foods that quickly turn to sugar that's just critical for brain health. Um, we should be teaching brain health in schools. We actually have a high school course called Brain Thrive by 25. Um, we studied it in 16 schools, decreases drug, alcohol, and tobacco use, decreases depression, and improves self-esteem. How exciting is that? Um, we should be teaching brain health all the way along. On average, it's 11 years from the time a child first has a mental health, brain health symptom, anxiety, depression, OCD, eating disorder, whatever. It's 11 years before they actually have their first appointment to get help. That's not. Wow. Mm. wow. Wow. Great information. So any last words of encouragement or advice you would give Fredericksburg as we move forward? Get health as healthy as a community. I did a big program with Saddleback Church called the Daniel Plan, where um, we got better together. 15,000 people signed up the first week over the first year. They lost a quarter of a million pounds. We wrote a best-selling book called The Daniel Plan, and the program's been done in thousands of churches and communities. So if there's a way for Fredericksburg to meet and just some basic, simple um, strategies like we talked about today uh, to study in small groups just makes a monster difference in the health of our society. Awesome. I think we can make that happen. So thank you. It is always a joy to speak with you. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining us. Feel free to reach out and comment how this episode was helpful. And we hope you can join us again for another great episode on getting your spark back. Be well, everyone. <music>